beginning a new series this morning called Chipped. And uh, boy, that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But I want to talk about how God has designed us. You'll see a couple of scriptures. Uh, one on this side over here, Psalm 139 declares this, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David wrote that declaration. That's true not just for David, that's also true for you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, for some of you, you walked into God's house this morning knowing that. For some, that's a word that you need to hear this morning. And it's not just the reference to a scripture, it's a prophetic word that God wants to speak into your life today to remind you, for you to hear that truth, that you are wonderfully made. That it's an awesome thing that God did when he created you. And also, that there's a purpose for you. You'll see it over here. It says this, John, John's gospel declares, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You are chosen. Know that you are chosen. You're, you, you are uniquely designed by God and you're uniquely designed by God to live a, a fruitful and a fulfilled life. See, life isn't meant to be endured. It's, it's not meant just to be enjoyed or experienced. Life is meant to be impactful, to be engaging, to have purpose and to make a difference. And that's what God's called each one of us to do. In fact, it is, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced it is an undeniable truth that you're created for significance. God created you uniquely you. And he created you uniquely you with a destiny in mind. And it's a, it's a destiny that is a preferred destiny. Now, life at times will, will present these, these issues and, and the path will be clouded with with roadblocks on the journey to significance. But even, even though we have these roadblocks, these inevitable hurdles, they don't change the undeniable fact that God has a prosperous plan for us, that God has a prosperous plan for you, and that, that what you and what potentially others see as ordinary, not just ordinary, what you and maybe some of the people in your life see as, as flawed, God sees as extraordinary. There are, there are a few movies that if you turn on the television and you flip through enough channels, you're gonna find that movie is on, that, that movie is on TV. Forrest Gump. I'm convinced that Forrest Gump is playing at some time on some channel every minute of every day around the world. Would you say that's true? Another one, maybe not quite as common as Forrest Gump, Talladega Nights. <laughs> Don't judge me, I get captivated when Ricky Bobby says the prayer over the meal. I find it humorous. I find it humorous there are some Christians that get offended that say he's making a mockery of prayer. I don't think he's making a mockery of prayer. I think he's making fun of rednecks. And if you're here this morning, you're a redneck, just lean into it because his characterization is pretty accurate. Let's be honest. Uh, Kenny, is it not true? 
Amen. So um, here's, here's the one that I want to talk about this morning. It, it's a cult classic. Many of us have seen it. Some of you haven't. Even if you haven't, you'll appreciate the story. It's just before 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Five cars pull up in front of a suburban Chicago high school. And these students get out, each one of them with a different story, and they're on their way into Saturday all-day detention. It's a movie called The Breakfast Club. In walks a brain. He is the stereotypical geek. In walks the princess. She is the quintessential prom queen. Followed closely behind her is the jock. He got in trouble for hazing somebody in the high school locker room. In comes the weirdo. The one that doesn't seem to fit in any group. And finally, the criminal. You remember him? John Bender. And at the beginning of the movie, they're all there and they're, they're talking and, and Bender is starting to create some trouble. And the jock and the princess say, you don't matter. If you were to disappear, no one would ever notice. It's a, it's a message that resonates because for so many of us, those words have either been overtly spoken over us or life has convinced us that that's the truth. In fact, it's what the enemy wants you to believe, that you don't matter, that your actions don't matter, that your conversation has no consequence, that your life has no purpose, that you being here has no meaning. And if the enemy can can get you to embrace that lie, what he can do is he can take you down an unhealthy, an unprotected, an unimpacting life. Friend, God has brought you here this morning. You, you. He's brought you here this morning to say that everything about you, what you appreciate and also what you struggle with, that that's part of God's design. It's his understanding. Before you were fashioned in your mother's womb, he knew you. And when he designed you, he designed you knowing that in your humanity that you would deal with some flaws. And God has a plan for your gifting and even your flaws to cause all things to work together for your good. Because make no mistake, he chose you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Now most of us are, we're, we're reminded regularly of our deficiencies, our weaknesses, our, our, our failures, much more so than we're able to celebrate our victories and our strengths. Life has a way 
Life has a way of convincing us that we, that we offer little of value, that there's really nothing all that special about us. That's all too evident. In fact, I love to tell the story. I've told it, told it here a couple of times, because it's, but because it's friendly, I'm gonna tell it again. I love to tell, tell the story that, that I was reminded of this even at an early age. I, I just moved from one elementary school to another elementary school. I was struggling to fit in, and it, it was Valentine's Day. Remember Valentine's Day in elementary school? I don't know if they still do it now, but back in the day when I was in elementary school, uh, everybody passed out Valentine's. And I was looking forward to it. There was one particular person in the class, I'm not gonna mention her by name, although I really want to. I really wanna share her name. Uh, not that I'm not still carrying bitterness, but we're not gonna go there. I really hope to get a Valentine for, from her. And so I brought my little, my little brown baggie, right? full of the valentines that, that we, you know, took out of the paper surroundings, right? And I wrote little notes on all of them. And, uh, and I passed out my little valentines and, and, and this, this, what I thought was a special girl, didn't realize that she was a daughter of Satan. Uh, <laughs> um, she came and she, she, she put a valentine on my desk. Oh picture of a lion and it said this inside open it up I'm not lying be my valentine but she had in painstaking detail she had marked out the word not and the valentine card she gave me said hey by the way I'm lying be my valentine really all right, I get you. Her message was very clear. You are nothing special. The good news is this, is that I may not be something special, but God has an incredible track record with the ordinary. He really does. God has an incredible track record with the ordinary. Moses was a man with a speech impediment that became a spokesperson for God. Gideon was a self-described least in the family of the least of the tribe of all of Israel, yet God chose Gideon to lead a nation to overwhelming military conquest. Nehemiah served as a cupbearer to a foreign king living in a foreign land, yet God chose Nehemiah to restore Jerusalem's identity and to reconnect a nation with God. God has a wonderful way about taking the ordinary and turning it into the extraordinary. Oh, and that, that girl from fourth grade, in seventh grade, she fell madly in love with me. And I wouldn't give her the time of day. It is this issue of identity. And identity is a challenging thing in the world in which we live today because we live in a airbrushed Instagram culture where everything has to be flawless. Let me let you in on a little secret. If it's flawless, it's fake. Ladies, those of you that have a ring on your finger, you got a diamond ring on your finger, okay? 
I want you to take a moment. I want you to look at that diamond. Go ahead. Take a look at it. It's pretty, isn't it? It's flawed. Every di- well, let me say this, ladies. If you take a look at your ring and you've got a diamond on your on your on your band, and that diamond isn't flawed, you need to look at your husband and go, "Really, you bought me a fake ring." <laughs> Every diamond has some degree of flaw in it. Some degree of flaw in it. If it's flawless, it's fake. Perfection in this world, friend, perfection is reserved for God alone. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that God made imperfection a part of our existence to where we could do this. We can breathe. We can breathe. God created you to be you, warts and all. And you can accomplish all that God has intended for you and his plan to bless you and to prosper you without being perfect. You can. Yesterday morning I got up, uh, one, of the, one, of the, uh, one of the ladies in our church, one of the single ladies in our church uh, had a tire blowout on 436. And so, uh, so I went, uh, went to, to help her and, and we're there. Uh, car broke down in the left lane on 436, uh, just, just a little bit west of I-4. Uh, not the best place in the world to have a tire blowout and I'm just gaping holes. Uh, and the, um, there, there weren't, most people were understanding, there were, a, there were a couple of, there were a couple of, it's interesting, the two people that cussed at me both were young females. I don't know what that says about our society, but, uh, but one of them said, take care of your, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give the G version, uh, it, was, it would have been like NC-17 version. Uh, take care of your business. Um, and I thought, why are you so angry at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday on a beautiful day in Orlando, Florida? <laughs> take care of your business. Okay, I, I will. So, um, you know, and, and my business is helping this gal who has had a tire blowout that she, this wasn't her plan right? It wasn't her plan to have this tire blowout. And yet, in that imperfection, God creates a ministry moment that gives uh, me an opportunity. Here's the, here's the value in that, is this gal, and t- in fact, I'll t- tell you who it is, Damika, would you stand please? So Damika and I were on 436 together yesterday, weren't we? Because <laughs> she was on her way to work, boom, tire blows out. Here's what God does. God uses that moment for Demika to know she's not alone. Because she, 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 she calls, I'm there. Just a few minutes after I get there, Pastor Mike gets there. We push her vehicle, or we get her vehicle out of that left lane, over back a ways in the turn lane, arrange for a tow truck to get there and to get tires on her, uh, new tires on the front of her car. Demika, God wanted you not to face difficulty yesterday. He wanted you to be blessed yesterday. And God had this plan. He was not surprised that you had the blowout. And God had a plan. He said, Demika needs new tires. How are we gonna arrange for Demika to get new tires on her car? I got a plan. This is what I'm gonna do. See, God's got you. He's got you. He, had, he, he made it work out. Now, those girls that cussed us out, they couldn't see it. Uh, and that's okay, because maybe they're watching via live stream today and know this, 
God loves you, and as a side note, I'm taking care of my business. We get caught in these, we get caught in these traps. I want to real quickly this morning, I want to talk to you about four fatal identity traps. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let me, let me set the context for you. The apostle Paul, Paul has, Paul has worked tirelessly as a church planter, planting churches all over the, 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 the Roman Empire. And... Uh, he writes to the church in Corinth, which Corinth is, Corinth is a city uh, that's kind of in the central part of Greece, of modern-day Greece. And there were, the, there were the, these group of people that have come to Corinth after Paul, and they've, they've tried to say, look, you shouldn't follow Paul, because first of all, Paul's not a very eloquent speaker, and Paul doesn't have the credentials that we have, and and, 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 and Paul doesn't have the training that we have. And, and you need to listen to us because, you know what? That guy, Paul, Paul's nothing but a hack. And so Paul writes and he says, listen, I understand there are those that are trying to come into the church and they're trying to convince you. They're, they're, they're flashy and they're polished and all of this. And they're trying to convince you that you should listen to them. He said, but don't fall into the trap of chasing after that which is glitzy, that which is polished. That which maybe has a smooth presentation, but lacks any underlying substance. But he says, listen, to the, to the, to the common traps that they want to try to suck you into. He said, okay, they, 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 they claim about their incredible heritage. He says this in 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 21. He says, whatever anyone else dares to boast about, and he says this, I'm, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. He says, listen, you can get consumed by this idea of heritage. This is my family name. This is my family heritage. This is, and, and that, that is a double-edged sword, isn't it? You can, you can get caught up in false pride when it comes to the issue of your heritage. You can also struggle the same way that Gideon struggled. Gideon, even though he was part of this nation that is Israel, God's chosen race, Gideon described himself as the least of the least of the least of the least. And there are, there, are, there, are, there are men who share your struggle today sitting in this room going, yep, my, my father was an alcoholic, my grandfather was an alcoholic, my, my great-grandfather was an alcoholic. It's my, it's my heritage, it's my curse. Hogwash. There, there are women in this room today that share your same struggle. My mom has struggled with this. My grandmother has struggled with this. It is, it's the way our family is. All my sisters. Pastor, you need to know this. In our family, marriages don't work. Hogwash. The enemy wants to convince you that somehow this heritage that you're connected to, that it defines you. And here's what God's word says. It says, no, 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 no. Your citizenship is not on this earth. And your familial connection, your family connection, it should not be an earthly familial, uh, an earthly family connection. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 
A people that are chosen. I chose you, God declares. So the Apostle Paul, when he writes this in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, listen, they want to brag about their heritage. Yes, I've got that. I've got that. I don't boast in it, but I've got it. And I want you to know that you have that. Let me tell you about your heritage. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, you become part of this amazing family. You become a citizen of an unshakable kingdom. And that's where God wants us to find our identity. It's the reason why the Word of God says, live your life as, as aliens and strangers here, knowing that your citizenship is not on earth, that your citizenship is in heaven. And when I, when I know that, when I have that understanding, what it allows is this. It allows me, even in those moments Wednesday afternoon, as I was there in the hospital room, and I was watching Marlena's breathe her last breaths, I knew this. I knew that to be absent from that body was to be present with the Lord, because God has an eternal home for each and every one of us, and he has an eternal destiny for each and every one of us, that he's got us. I also know this, I know that in so many rooms in that hospital at that same time, there were those that were grieving, there were those that were in absolute agony. Because they were watching life slip away and they were convinced that there was nothing beyond. And when we, when we embrace the truth that God has for us and the identity that he has for us, and the understanding of eternal plan, it makes all the difference in the world. We see life differently. We see resource differently. We even see death differently. But when we get stuck in these identity traps, they can be brutal. We also, we get our, 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 our activity, right? The work that we do. Paul embraces this in 2 Corinthians 11 as well. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he says this. They claim that they're servants of Christ. He said, I am more. I am more. The, the, danger in, the danger in finding our identity in our activity is in those moments when life, when life happens and we're not able to fully engage in the activity. The enemy will speak into those moments and convince us that the value that we had, we have no more. Oh, I used, to be a, I used to be a productive contributor to society. Man, I was a hard worker. Took care of my family. Now because I'm dealing with this medical issue, my family has to take care of me. I bring no value. In, in fact, what I am, I'm just an, I'm a burden. And I know this. I know that even now that there's, there's somebody that's sitting in front of a television screen. They're sitting in front of a computer screen and, and depression has so gripped them because they bought into this horrible lie that they bring no value. And not only that they bring no value, but you've, you've listened to the enemy and you've embraced this horrible untruth that you're in fact a burden. It's not, it's not what you do 
that defines you. Now, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. But we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. That way we don't get caught up in boasting. Your occupation, it doesn't define you. Neither do your experiences. Paul writes this, he says, in, in, in the second half of 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. he says this, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've even been exposed to death again and again. He later, he, he says this, later in this, in this narrative, he says this, all this that I talked to you about, I consider it nothing. I consider it rubbish. None of this really matters. He says, what matters is this, is knowing Christ and being found in him. Even our accomplishments, right? It's so easy for us to get, to get consumed by this concept of accomplishment. One of the big problems with accomplishment is we can, we can find ourselves being proud, but at the same time being riddled with anxiety that our accomplishments aren't enough or that someone else will come along and outdo us. Paul says, he says, I, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. But he says this, we dare not classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. What are the identity traps that the enemy uses with you? Is it, is it positive or negative, your, your family name, your family history? Is it, is it positive or negative, your, your occupational experience? The things in life that you've accomplished. See, we, we, live in a, we live in a world that's quick to, to brand people. And in that, in that branding comes a, a false identity and a glaring understanding of of the imperfect nature of our existence. We're a chipped dish. We're a cracked pot. We're flawed. And God has brought you here this morning as a chipped dish, as a cracked pot, He's brought you here flawed. 
to say, you are exactly the way that I designed you to be. And even the faults and the failures that you've experienced along the way, that you've created along the way, were never a surprise to me. And knowing you're in from your beginning, I still chose you, declaring that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I said this to, to, the, to the people that were gathered in that, that hospital room on Wednesday. I said this, that there are times when you're with folks and they're kind of in those final moments that they will say some interesting things. And, uh, and people will go, I don't know why he said that. It's really out of character for him. I don't know why she's saying that. That's, that's not really her. I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. The vast majority of the time in those moments when somebody says something, they're not speaking out of character. What they're doing is they're speaking without filter. And so what you're seeing is not the mask that society tells us that we have to wear. You're seeing them for who they really are. When God sees you, he doesn't see you through some filter that changes who you are. He sees you as you really are. And seeing you as you really are, he says this, I'm crazy about you. I have a wonderful purpose and a plan for you. And know all things will work together for your good. Just place your hand on my hand. God's not confused about your identity. And he doesn't see you as Irish, German, Colombian, Asian, Indian, African-American, Jamaican. It's not how he sees you. He sees you as you. He sees you as Mark. not concerned about your experiences or your accomplishments. His focus is on your destiny. It's not caught up in your yesterday. But he's keenly engaged in your tomorrow. He's brought you here today to say, I have a plan for you. 
I have a preferred destiny for you. I have a dream for you. But know this, and with this I close, that your destiny is not a matter of chance, it's a matter of choice. The choices that you make from here forward, the choices that you make will determine your destiny. Oh, pastor, you don't know all that I have done. I get it. I, 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 let's, let's not even compare the stupid things that we've done. Um, your list is probably longer than mine. Uh, but man, I've got some doozies on there. <laughs> um, and and, and, and my, my list of stupid things, I wish, all the li- I wish the list of all my stupid things, I wish it stopped when I said yes to Jesus. But it, man, it, even, even, in this, even this journey of faith, I've got, I've got a good chunk of more stupid things, like, like bigger, big, biggies. I, I get it. Yeah, Pastor, you don't know my background. You don't know my family. Oh, my goodness. Can I tell you, when I watch cops, I fully expect to see a member of my family. And here's my, here's my hope. My prayer is this. Please, for the love of God, just keep your shirt on. Right? There are, there are a number of you, you can relate to that. <laughs> But what I know and what gives me an, an almost undescribable peace God is surrounding what's surrounding me and he's surrounding what's surrounding you and so for some of us today there are identity issues that are keeping us from walking in the fullness of all that God has for us. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to surrender that to him this morning. For some of us here today, it, it's, it's our whole life. We have yet to say yes to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're living life completely on our terms. Well, mainly on our terms and then a lot too because of the influences of the the people in our life that really don't care a whole lot about us, but for some reason we're trying to impress. And God wants, God wants September 2019 to be a new start for you. An understanding of healthy identity. We could mistakenly say that God wants to give you a new identity, but that's not true. God doesn't want to give you a new identity. God wants you to embrace the identity that he spoke over you before you breathe your first breath. And the identity that will still be true after you breathe your last breath here on earth. So if you're here this morning and and life has more anxiety than peace, God wants to bring understanding of identity. If you're here this morning and, and you, you, you've been struggled with this idea 
that you matter at all. God wants to step into your moment this morning and and bring you an understanding of, of your true identity. You're here today and, and you're convinced that the, the stupid choices in your life, the dumb decisions that you've made, that somehow they disqualify you. God's brought you here today to restore identity to you and to renew genuine hope. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.